every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, time for what's going on here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network, find out what's going on. We're actually only going to check in with one show today, Gordo, uh, with Hanson Scotty, but they had Gary Anderson on, and I thought, uh, of course, the head football coach at Utah State, and I thought this was a really insightful interview. Uh, Coach Anderson, I thought, was very upfront with with what they're dealing with and and what they're going through, and uh, I I thought it was an interview uh, worth our time for our listeners to hear. Yeah, let's uh, let's give it a listen. All right, he starts off talking about the emotions that they're dealing with uh, today. Well, you know, first of all, I think the league did a really good job of uh, giving coaches and athletic departments an opportunity to to get to their kids um, as quickly as possible. Twitter still beat us by about 15 minutes, but uh, at least we had the meeting set before it broke. Uh, but it was a very difficult meeting. <clears throat> Uh, always, you know, it's just on Zoom for us, basically. You can't get the kids together that quickly. Um, but, you know, it, it, at least it was uh, a decision, right? And we did get a decision. We had a little bit of um, an idea of the direction that we can move now when we weren't going to play. And so we discussed it. And then yesterday we, uh, you know, had another team meeting where we sat down and, and discussed, you know, where we're going from here. And we can formulate a plan. And we know we're going to come back August 31st. We know we're going to uh, take a couple weeks to get adjusted back in school. We know we're going to up our academic load um, from what it normally would be in the season, and we know we're going to start an off-season program in the middle of September. And that gives us some direction for the kids, for the coaches, and quite frankly, everybody. So it was it was as, as sad a news as it was and heartbreaking news. It was still news that allowed us to be able to move forward. So, Coach, I've done a, a couple of different in- interviews with radio stations across the country, and the question that I get asked is, as a former player, how would you have reacted to this? And I could tell you it's different every single year of, of your eligibility. You know, a redshirt freshman is going to re- react different than a sophomore and certainly than a senior. But I, I want to focus on your seniors a little bit. How is this affecting them? What are you telling them, and, and how are they handling the news? Well, I think it's a great place to start, Hans, and that's where I've started. Um, I'm calling and trying to FaceTime the ones that don't get FaceTime. I mean, the FaceTime are calling each uh, senior today. I'm in the process of doing that, and I've been through about two-thirds of them. Um, and, you know, we had, like I said, the two team meetings, but it, it, we need to get out and ask some questions. And the first thing is, is number one, is, is football still in the books for you? Um, is that where we're going to go and what we're going to do? And with a few kids, it's, it's not. You know, it's uh, it's time to be able to move on, and they've got things going. Um, they've got jobs they can say yes to. So we've got two young men who are going to start jobs here, very good jobs, in the next couple of days, and they've graduated, and they've got opportunities. Uh, so they're going to take those. we got other young men that, uh, you know, are, are absolutely, yes, I'm back, and I want to be at Utah State. And then the next question is, is you know, uh, if the spring season hits, then we go ahead as planned and we roll, and hopefully we can get some answers on that sooner than later. And, and if we go into the fall, then that's a whole other can of worms. You know, is that uh, are you still in? And 
we communicate about that. And then the school's decision as far as bringing back super seniors and just laying it all on the table with them and being as honest and up frank as I, as, and frank as I possibly can to let them know that uh, we want what's best for them. And we all hope it's here and we're playing football, but we're just, we're talking it out right now and communicating and trying to educate um, ourselves on their plans and also um, let them know exactly what we know. So it's not, not real fun conversations to have, but we all need to get direction and be educated on what our goals are. A lot of uh, commissioners and athletic directors are saying spring is very much on the table. Is it really feasible, Gary? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going I'm, to, I've, I've had my opinions on that and my thoughts on that. And I think the best way for, for me to be able to look at it and say is let the, uh, let's let a plan be proposed and, the one thing I would say is we just we need a plan proposed as quickly as possible, and I don't know what quickly means, um, but we need to be able to have a plan. Uh, there's a lot to it, you know. There's a, there's a lot to that when you sit back and talk and the number of games that how many kids are going to play, and is it going to be eight, and then all of a sudden it's twelve, and you're playing twenty games in a year. Um, you're sitting back, and you know we've lost a couple spring balls here for these young men now because they wouldn't get the next spring ball. And just speaking of Utah State, you know, we are a developmental program and we've missed some developmental time. Um, and and those are those are things that you look at and say, uh, okay, we're going to jump in and play two seasons very quickly. Uh, how does that affect recruiting? Um, you know, we're playing football games in February and March where we're typically out recruiting. Um, you know, the, the amount of kids that are going to come back, is your school going to allow you to have super seniors? Um, so what does your what does your team look like? Well, you don't have to worry about that if you're playing spring. So that's one of the positive things. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and wait and see what what the the plan would look like, and then obviously I'm gonna support it and do what's best, whatever we're told to do, to do the best we can for our football team to get them a spot to be able to play. But there's a lot to it. I'm anxious to see um, what would be put on paper for us to be able to you know feasibly be able to do that, and I'm sure that's what the leagues are going to be working on. Coach, do you believe that the leaders of the Mount West Conference got this decision right? Absolutely, 100%. And, and I can only speak from our, our place here, right here, Cache Valley, uh, you know, Logan, Utah, Utah State as a whole. I don't know what happened at, you know, with BYU or Utah or Weber, quite frankly, or Southern Utah. I just know our spot here in Utah, what we went through. Um, and it's the absolutely the, the correct decision. And, you know, I think it was it was made um, with a lot of discussion, and even the coaches. We were still, you know, we were involved in head coaches meetings and so on and so forth. But I thought the administration, um, our president, President Cockett, has been unbelievable as far as communicating with me what she knew. Um, I'd say the same thing for our administration with uh, John Hartwell and Jerry Bovey. They've everything that they've told me as we've gone through time is what they knew. Um, but do we do did we get it right here as far as Utah State? absolutely 100% right. And there's a lot that goes into that, things that people don't look and see, but just for the, the, the sake of the kids and where we were with all the situations and scenarios we were going through, yes, they got it right, um, quite frankly, for a lot of things. But there's uh, the, the staff that's out there. You know, you look at the training room. You look at the, the weight room. You look at all those scenarios and the situations that they go through and the amount of time that uh, and the amount of people that it takes to go through um, the protocols that have to do with COVID and then, you know, look at the weight room. There's usually a couple strands of crew that run through the weight room. We have lift as an offense, we lift as a defense. Now all of a sudden we're lifting four or five times. Could we have done that? Sure. Um, but at the end of the day for us, 
you know, it was, and the tracking was very, very difficult as far as keeping the position groups, um, ability to be able to have a lineup, um, each week and be able to have a product that was, uh, be able to put out there and be, and be quality, uh, you know, it became very difficult through this, uh, couple three months that we've been going through this process. So I believe they a hundred percent got it right. None of us like it. It's very hard to say that, um, as far as because it's over with, but I can say, I think that our league did a tremendous job and our administration from the president down, I think did a tremendous job of, of, uh, helping do their part in making this decision. So you mentioned you're going to you're going to bring him back in August and and try to keep as many of these guys on campus, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's our that's our plan and we've given our kids a break here um to be where they want to be and go where they want to go. Uh our kids again, I look back at Utah State, the the scholarships are full. Um our walk-on kids are going to get everything that they've ever gotten from the support of of our program when they get back here on the 31st. And, you know, we're going to move forward. Um, but I, if they can go home right now, I think it's good for them to go home. There's discussions that they need to have with parents and what have you. I think that's good. If they stay here, they're in a great spot. We're, we're going to do all we can to take care of them. We'll come back on the 31st, start school. Again, push the envelope with the number of credit hours they're taking to continually work towards that graduation or that upper-level degree if they've already graduated. And then two weeks into September, as strange as this sounds, two weeks into September, um, we will start a off-season program like it was January 15th. <laughs> Coach, do you fear what is potentially coming with uh, financial fallout? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not in the middle of all those things. I know that, uh, you know, my stance on that is our, our football staff will, will be supportive of whatever President Cockett and, and John Hartwell come up with for us. Um, we need to be, and we're very sensitive to – the whole situation and the, the thing that needs to be in the uh, forefront on those discussions is make sure that we are doing everything we possibly can to continually put the student athletes in uh, normalcy, if you will, as far as, you know, scholarships, as far as meals and far as all those things have taken place. And, and that has absolutely happened here. Uh, but, you know, if there's a, a situation to where we as coaches are, are involved in the scenario to be able to, you know, you have to make things better for the kids or make things better for the university. And if there's, the, I don't want to say a price to pay, but if there's, you know, a situation where it comes with furlough things or whatever those are, we, we need to be supportive of that as a football staff, and we absolutely will. Gary Anderson joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network, head coach at uh, Utah State University. You know, every and I think you brought up a really good point. Every university is kind of in a different situation right now, and every conference is in a different situation right now. And 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 when did you kind of get the sense that it was probably in the best interest for Utah State not to play football this year? I mean, was there? I mean, was it June, July? I mean, when when did it really kind of sink in that this probably wasn't going to be able to go for you guys? Oh, I just think it's been it's just been recently, you know, as as you've looked at it and. And like I say, the most difficult piece to this was really was at the end of the day. It's not the number of COVID uh, kids that we had that, that had COVID. Um, it's not that at all. It's the number of the kids that we're, we're tracing. And then the difficulty, like I talked about, you look and you just, you know, these schools that are going to go ahead and, and play or try to play, um, that would be, it would be great to see some kids have an opportunity to play football. But they, again, the ability to stress on the training room, I, I just can't, I can't even tell you the stress that's been on the training room with Mike Williams and his staff down there over the last, you know, three weeks, two months, however long it's been here that we've gone through this process. 
and and we don't have even close to all of our student athletes back here yet. And you got a guy that mm. you know usually is, is taping ankles for practice, and now all of a sudden he's uh, you know taking temperatures and he's he's doing two or three different things, and they're in there twice as long as they were before because the structure of the training room is um, you can't you, you got a social distance and all those things that come with it. So it it, it became obvious as we went through time that those were gonna, could we have got through those. Absolutely. If we had the opportunity to play, we could have gotten through those. But we have still had a lot of uh, educating and a lot of tweaks to be able to make it be right if we got into pads and got into normal full practices, which we never did. Um, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I can't give you an exact time when I said, oh, this is going to be very difficult or, or, or impossible. But uh, I'll just say this. I was very, very supportive of the decision when they made it as a whole for our student athletes first. And, and for our our staff, and not really the football staff, we'll do what we got to do, but the support staff was under severe stress. Do you believe it's just a matter of time until nationally it's a full-on closure of all college football? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the, the, the biggest thing you look at, and you say that they, they obviously have some doctors that uh, are backing them, and I'm sure that that is – their, their thought process is if, if we have that backing and they say that we can play and then they are handling, they look at those things that I've talked about and, and it's in place. You know, I would imagine a team in the SEC, I'll, I'll bet you they've got 15, 20 people new that, that within their structure, whether that's in the weight room, whether that's in the cleaning crews, whether that's in the, the training rooms that they've added to be able to almost put these guys in a, a bit of a bubble, right? As they can, um, Looks very different than the NBA bubble, obviously, but uh, you know from the, the, the feeding up or the, the way they feed the kids and keep them, you know, in their in their own cafeterias and so on and so forth, where they're socially distanced. And um, if they can do all those things, you know, they've had a trial run, and now it's going to get amped up on them when they turn around and get on pads. If they can do it, then uh, uh, I hope it all works out for them. And but as long as they they've had the backing, which they wouldn't be doing if they didn't have the backing, and the other conferences has, has listened to. The, the medical professionals, and they've obviously said, you know, this isn't the best way to proceed. So um, I don't know. It, it would be nice to have some Saturdays to sit down and watch college football, I guess, selfishly <laughs> on, on my end. So um, I would be hopeful that it could happen in that point. And I, I guarantee they're all making the decisions I think are right for student athletes. And as long as we're doing that and they think they can play, um, then it's great to continue to move forward. Got to imagine all this uncertainty probably took its toll on your players. How have they handled these last uh, you know month or two, not knowing what what the fall would look like. Uh, it's been really hard, and like Han said, it's different for every kid. A freshman's a little different than a sophomore, and so on and so on and so on. Um, but they all, each one of them have uh, you know they've had something taken away from them right now, and they don't know what the what they're going to get back. Um, is it spring? Is it is a year back of eligibility? Is it feasible for? Uh, the university that I play for to be able to really bring back and have super seniors. Um, so there's so much uncertainty. Uh, it's been, it's been very difficult, um, you know, but what we've tried to do is be able to stay happy and get out on the field and have a smile on our face. when we went out there and I thought our kids handled the practices opportunities that we had very well. Um, even in the tweaks, we had seemed every week that we were, we were tweaking them and changing them from a bit to be, you know, sometimes we, uh, we had this drill this last week, and then you know maybe we need to change this drill a little bit to make it better for the situation that we're in. And our kids adapted to everything that we asked them to when they're out there on the field. And so you know we're real, I'm I'm very proud of them. I know our staff is. Our university should be very proud of them how they've handled this whole situation. And and now it's just a matter of handling them each one of them individually as we go through these next 
couple weeks here until we get to August 31st and, and, and let them understand that we're, we're going to be here for them and there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made um, and that they can't control, but they obviously need to be educated so they can control the decisions that they want to make and have the best information available. There were some interesting uh, kind of occurrences as this virus was continuing and colleges were trying to make decisions. Players started to try to leverage a little bit, and they put together a list of demands. Did you feel like you had any players that would have possibly sat out if they did decide to move forward? Um, I don't know. We, I mean, yeah, potentially we, we could have had um, some players decide. I think there was a lot of uncertainty and unknown and what we did is again we just talked and tried to educate the kids that had those issues and we said it all along if we had a young man that was in a position to not feel comfortable because of covid um or any of the other things that were going on out there in the world then we wanted to be able to communicate about it and we wanted to be able to um talk and see where they were um so would we have had a kid that opted not to play for some reason or whatever meant if the the true opt-out was still there where um, the team was going to play and they weren't going to be part of it. I, I can't say we would have or if we wouldn't have at, would have or wouldn't have at that point. Uh, we had a couple of kids that were looking to make decisions in the, down those lines. And I don't think that they were necessarily extremely selfish decisions. I don't think we we're in a place to be able to be educated enough to say, yes, this is the time when I need to make this decision. My thought process was them. I told them, let's see when we get to the 24th. Um, and August 24th was our day that we were going to come back and start camp. And then August 24th, those decisions would have had to be made. If you're going to opt out or not play, um, then we would have made those decisions. And that would have involved families, each young man individually, um, and our coaching staff, and, and talk it out and see what was there. But obviously we never got to that point, so I couldn't tell you if we would have had kids sit out or not. Um, but we did have some kids that were you know, thinking about it, and so we were working again as coaches to be educators and educate them. You know, John Hartwell uh, was on yesterday and he mentioned that now that the decision's been made, it's almost in a weird way, kind of a relief because now you can just kind of step back and say, okay, let's plan for the future and let's try to work now that we have at least some concrete knowledge of what it's going to look like in the fall. Now we can start to make our preparations and plan accordingly. Do you kind of feel that as well? A little bit of a relief that, okay, now we're not just rushing and rushing. Let's take a step back and do this right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that. That is the biggest thing. Um, you know, we, we have a plan now for, for what we know today. Utah State football has a plan moving forward. And I told you what we're going to do on August 31st moving forward. And from an academic standpoint, from a weight room standpoint, from an offseason training standpoint. And, and that's that's as, as hard and as tough as that news was. It was still news and it gave us the ability to be able to move forward. And that's uh, that was that was a big step for young men. It was a big step, big step for our staff. Um, and for administration. There was Utah State head football coach Gary Anderson on with uh, Hanson Scotty, and thought he gave a lot of uh, great insight and information into what's going on kind of on, on the ground, I guess, in this uh, circumstance, Gordon. Yeah, and I thought he was fairly candid as well um, in his remarks. But, you know, uh, he, he seemed reasonable to me. Uh, everything I heard, I was kind of just checking it off in my mind as I'm listening, and I'm thinking, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense, it all did. I, there was a, a part of me interpreting some of his content, uh, comments, though, that, that Gary thought they could have done it if it was required. What do you mean required? 
if, if there were still scheduled football games, they could have pulled it off. Mm. Well, maybe he felt that way. Uh, but, uh, you know, Scotty asked him when he when he came to the conclusion that it was best that they not do it. And he said recently. Right. But, you, so, I mean, he was just talking about the, the how taxing it was on the staff, and I believe that. Uh, but just added, he is. said if, if we yeah. had games to do it, I think we could have pulled it off. That's that's all. Well, I mean, nobody said it would have been impossible to do. But could it be done safely is the question. Um, here's some interesting, and maybe we get to this a little later on in the show, Gordon. There's some comments coming from Mike Bone, uh, USC athletic director. He said the, said the, quote, basketball element, unquote, of the decision to shut down Pac-12 sports until January 1 came uh, was a, quote, a big surprise or a surprise when it was announced yesterday. How is that possible? Yeah, how could anything be a surprise? I thought they were all talking amongst themselves about this stuff. I mean, how could you cancel a a basketball season without an athletic director even knowing that's what you were going to do. <laughs> that's a bit surprising, yes. <laughs> I don't know how to comment on that. See, it's that type of stuff that makes me lose faith in the entire process. It's that kind of stuff that makes people who are naturally skeptical like myself go insane. But, see, Jake, I, I think the whole thing... <laughs> makes you question the process. And I'm talking about from the very top in this country, straight on down, that this thing has been mismanaged from the beginning. It's, uh, it doesn't have to be this way. That's, and that's here we are. That's incredible. Oh, man, we didn't know they were canceling basketball yesterday. Wait, what? <laughs> you're, an you're, you're an athletic director at the flagship university for the conference. But he did Came say, a surprise? Start, oh my God. as far as the other stuff goes, he said that uh, according to the data that was seen, he that it was indisputable that they made the right decision. But yeah, I'm was surprised about the basketball said, part. So yeah. yeah, there you go. So that doubts that's that too. January, that, that, that's just through <laughs> till January one, right? All right, joining us now from TridayTrading.com, he's our friend Alema Harrington. If you're uh, out to make an extra buck, listen up, because uh, Alema's got the way for you. Absolutely, guys. So, you know, I hear you talking about all the uncertainty that's going on, and, and I think a lot of us uh, were in the same situation where you start to think, well, well you know, what can I control? And, and for me, you know, getting involved with Tri-Day Trading was, was about taking control of my financial future, and I had an opportunity to get involved and learn a little bit about it, and I was skeptical at first, a lot, like a lot of people had come up to me and asked me, is that thing really, you know, like you really doing that? And the answer is yes. And it didn't take me long inside the program before I figured out, like, you know what, I think I can do this and I can do it successfully. And if you're interested, right now is a great time to just get involved. For just $10, you get a 30-day trial, and you can figure out whether or not this thing is for you, which is exactly the way that I got into it. And I figured out pretty quick, like, I think I can do this. And now I'm doing it and I'm being successful. I'm being able, able to, to read what's going on in the markets. And, and the program is so amazing because if you just follow the program, you're going to be successful. 
And so get involved. All you have to do is take $10 and put that towards a little investment of seeing what this is about. You get a 30-day trial, and after 30 days, I guarantee you'll be able to figure out whether or not this thing is for you. And once you get in, they take care of you. Like you're going to get a, a corporate-funded account where you're trading using their money and keeping up to 80% of the profits. I mean, it's it's just an insane deal. And, uh, you know, I just encourage people to, if you're skeptical, take $10 and just throw that out there and say, you know, I'm going to try this thing and, and see if it works. And uh, then if, if that's the case, then I'll see you on one of our webinars or something, and, and we'll do some day trading together. Trydaytrading.com. $10 for a 30-day trial. You heard it right there. Easy to get started. Trydaytrading.com. Alema, thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, there, uh, that trydaytrading.com. Trydaytrading.com. We're going to check in with the Joe Ingles Show. Coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, we are going to uh, hear from Joe Ingles coming up here momentarily, the Joe Ingles Show. Uh, but the Rockets just lost to the Pacers, 108 to 104. And Gordon uh, Austin and I are trying to make hide nor hair of what the uh, hide or hair, nor hair. I don't know yeah, of what this means. Uh, our friend Ben Anderson from KSL Sports just sent out this tweet. With Rockets lost to the Pacers, Houston is locked into the 4-5 matchup and the Jazz will not see them in the first round. Good news for the Jazz. He elaborates. He says the Jazz could still see the Rockets in the 4-5 matchup with a win tomorrow over the Spurs. On a related note, the Jazz will not be beating the Spurs tomorrow. Kind of hilarious. Yes, that so, is absolutely certain. So, yeah, it looks like the Jazz will be losing on purpose tomorrow and uh, trying to, I guess, avoid the, the Houston Rockets, who are now locked into the 4-5 matchup. Thank goodness. What do you do if, if you're – and the Spurs are motivated to win, right? Yes, they, they must win, I believe. Right. So what do you do, though, if you play the younger players and they find a way to be ahead by four with two minutes left to play? This, see, this is really easy. This is what you do. It's called the Norman Dale approach. <laughs> you, you send three players out there, or I guess four in Norman's case, but you know you send a, you know you send a Ray John Tucker and Jarrell Brantley out to the scorers table, and when the ref comes over and says, "Hey, you got to put your team on the floor," you say, "My team is on the floor." <laughs> Next question. <laughs> you got to admit, though, that would be awkward. I'm only playing two players. Yeah. No, just being put in that situation where you don't want to win and you're winning uh yeah well what, what if the jazz are up 20 going into the fourth quarter they forfeit they were up 20 going into the fourth quarter against uh dallas oh they? yeah they, something like <laughs> they that they figured that one out yeah they sure did <laughs> nothing's beyond these guys right you know you tell your guys to get out there and lose it on purpose if do if you're a coach would you would those words cross your lips oh yeah 
After playing the Rockets the, for two years in a row? Three yeah. years? How long? Two years, years in a row, here? yeah. You guys yeah. really want to play this team again? Get out there and brick some shots. That, I mean, that would almost be comical. Hey, George, uh, Nia, go out there and play no defense. That shouldn't be hard for you. <laughs> I would, I, I'd almost pay money to see that happen. I would I would love to see a team that's up 20 that wants to lose and to see what happens. Nobody with the last name not Bradley gets to dribble today. <laughs> I like it. Tony, new point guard. Ed Davis, we need you on the wing. <laughs> well, at least the Spurs will be motivated to win, so yeah. it, it, it should work out nicely, especially since those – you know, the powers that be have some connection between the two of them. Yeah, I suppose, with uh, Pop and, uh, and Coach Q. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Everybody at the defensive end just stands there. Doesn't move. Well, I mean, I guess the cynic would say it wouldn't be that much different than normal. Good one. But I'm not the cynic, so I won't say it. Nope, not at all. All right, let's uh, let's get a little listen to the Joe Ingles show this morning with DJ and PK. Uh, on uh, he covered all sorts of things, including the the family coming to the bubble. Here's uh, what Joe had to say this morning. I'm curious with the young guys, uh, what has really impressed you? What can we watch? I, I always hear from NBA coaches and scouts like bring one skill that can really help the team. If you have one thing you're really good at, rebounding, shooting, defending, whatever it is, if you have one big-time NBA skill, you can help the team. And I know you're generally going to be supportive of all the young guys because that's how you always are when you come on. But as you practice with these guys, you probably have thought, hey, this guy can do this one thing. He does it really well. Kind of educate the fans a little bit. What are these young guys bringing? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, they, the, the energy and stuff like that is um, is pretty unreal, especially at my age and stuff. I look at them running around, I'm like, I don't know how you guys do that because I cannot do that. Um, but I actually had the, what you said at the start of that, I, I've had that conversation with a few of them. of like, you look around the league and there's, there's, there's only a very kind of handful of players that are, are kind of doing a bit of everything or are great at at, at several things um, to break a team to break a, a rotation and then a, a starting five or whatever your kind of goal is or, or what you want to get out of your career it's exactly what you said like you need to be unbelievable at something like really good at something and then some, I think depending on how good, like if you say oh, I'm the best defender in the league, like you can you can be in the starting five and probably any team. If you can add like three corner corner threes, if you can add pick and roll, if you can add like whatever that is. But if you've got one thing, like you said, it's it goes a long way to to kind of I think like opening the door, and then you can kind of build on it and build on it. And I think um, I've had that conversation with a few of our young guys. Like, hey, if you want to make this team or like right now, if you were to play, like your role is going to be this. Like uh, I've said it to, uh, I think the, the two that have played the most is probably Mia and and, uh, and Rajon kind of consistently here. Um, and for them, it's like, we don't, we don't need you doing too much. Like, uh, obviously, if you get an opportunity to, to, to play pick and roll, to, like that's, we're, we're, no one's going to run over and take the ball out of your hands. But they know their role. Like, come in and, 
they're going to get a chance on the best player to defend them for a little bit, or they're going to be whatever it is, and so so be really solid defensively. Um, obviously, rebound and, and close the possession, and then I was about to swear then then get out get out and sprint to the corners or, or sprint the lanes, and um, or if they rebound, they they're bringing it up. We're, we're a pretty versatile team with that. So, um, and I think for, for them, like if you look at one of like you just say Mia for example, like if he's, if he's in there with three of the starters or two of the, like he, he his biggest asset to what he can bring to us is that energy and that like getting up and defending and uh, he did a really good job on um, DeRozan the other day when we played the Spurs and stay down in shot face he stays down in shot face he got out and ran the floor hits a couple threes with the, the, the shots we want like swing swing suitable like it doesn't really matter who it is at that stage probably so Rudy Rudy's probably the only one that's not shooting threes in our team right now um and they've, they've all done, and not to, to kind of just name those two or whatever, but they've all, all the guys that have come in have, have played their role and, and not try to do too much, um, and not try to kind of not exist out there. They've all tried to do it. They kind of stand their, their authority on the game a little bit in, in their own individual way. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really good. They've, they've all played well when they've played together as a group of five or whatever it's been or with like one or two out there with, with the starters it's been, uh, it's been good so watching Donovan the other day was sure a lot of fun against the Nuggets man he was sensational and I got a theory I want to run it by you and tell me if it makes any sense to you <laughs> I know I'm the th- I got that and I was thinking about this all week and I voiced it on the, earl- on the air earlier in the week but I want to get your thought on it he's obviously decided that he's going to be socially active and he's going to speak up he's going to be on social media and he's going to you know, wear a bulletproof vest we all know what he's done he came out when I don't know how much you're following American politics, but the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, announced a, a running mate, and Donovan had something to say on that on Twitter. So whether you like it or not, that's not the point. The point is that he stepped up his game from that perspective. Now, if you want your voice to be heard, well, who's the loudest voice we have in the league? Well, it's LeBron because he's been viewed as the best player for 10 years. So my theory is if you want to be uh, an activist, great. So so be it if that's what you want to do. If you don't want to do it, that's fine too. But if you want to do it, you got to have the game on the court to back it up because nobody's going to somebody who's getting 10 minutes a game and asking them what their political beliefs are. And if you want that avenue, you got to have the game to match it. So if you're a Jazz fan, it's good news to have him do this other stuff because now he's got to got to put up or shut up basically out on the floor and I think we've seen this in 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 Orlando I mean he was sensational in so many clutch situations so from the Jazz perspective in terms of having them win he's put himself out there now he's got to get the game to match the voice you buy that theory well <laughs> like yes yes and no I guess I, I agree with with a lot of it, I think, uh, regardless of, especially obviously Donovan's platform is what it is now because of what he'd done previous to the game you're talking about or getting to, to this bubble or, or whatever it is. Um, and I think, um, regardless of, obviously, for me, in my mind, like he, he's always going to play well. Like he might not have, he might not have. 30 points, but he's got 
eight assists and he's got really like there's a lot there's more good games than not from Donovan and, and not just scoring and that's what, what we expect from him like if you're not having a good night of scoring then get guys involved so that is what it is I, I think like you said with um, him him talking about all the issues that he's he's talked about you, you've got to You've got to be you've got to be really intelligent, and you've got to really know what you're talking about. Otherwise, people are just going to think you're full of dog poo poo. And <laughs> he's done a, I think he's done a really good job. And that's from a guy who, again, from a few weeks ago, like I'm not from here. I don't know probably as much as what I should or, or what I could know. And, and I've done sat down with him. I've sat down with other people. I've listened to my team. I've listened to. I've read articles, all that. But once you once you start voicing that, like you said, like you, you've got to be <laughs> locked in and, and, and know what you're talking about at the right time. And like you said, if, if you're going to tweet something about Biden and what he does, like you've got to know what you're talking about because there's a lot of people out there that don't play basketball that do know what they're talking about. Like just regular people, I'm saying, not not people in the office or people in just a, just regular maybe basketball fans that, that know exactly what they're talking about and the point they're trying to get across and whether they believe it's right or wrong or, or whatever it is. So I think he's done a, and especially in the age too, to, to, to take that kind of responsibility and, and, and run with it. And, and I think he's done an unbelievable job. And I think that's what it kind of makes it sad a, a little bit with like reading some of the comments that get put on, on his stuff or on, on the team stuff um, about him or about the, the issues or about not supporting the Jazz, like stuff like that. And it's, um, it's kind of sad because it's, uh, I don't want to get kind of too deep into it on a Thursday morning, but um, just the, 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 obviously the intentions of it and stuff like that and it's still coming out that it's, that we're doing a bad thing or that we're not that we're disrespecting the flag and stuff like that and obviously there's absolutely no part of that so um, yeah I'm, I'm proud of Donovan to be, to be his teammate and for him to stand up for what he stood up for and, um, and yeah it, it, like you said it, it definitely kind of I guess helps um, but you also like you said you, you've got to put your money where your mouth is and you've got to at the end of the day the stress or the pressure or, or whatever it is that you, you're feeling with, with taking on these issues, he's still got to go out there and, and play really good basketball. Um, and he, he's done an unbelievable job, obviously small sample size of of that, but, but I, I just don't see... It doesn't affect him. People can say that what they want. Like As an NBA player or an AFL player or... I mean, you guys probably get it. Like, if you, if you don't have thick skin of... You guys have opinion. I've listened to the show twice on those two drives in, and like you guys have opinions of things, and you guys talk about things, and and people are going to disagree with you. And if you're getting your feelings about it and, and stuff like that, then then it can be a long day or a long week or a long month. And um, he, he does a good job, a really good job of of standing up for what he believes in first and foremost and then not letting it affect him when, when people obviously either disagree with him or attack him um, he, he kind of not laughs it off but that kind of analogy kind of laughs it off and then goes and plays basketball um, and does a, a hell of a job of, of both of those I think all right, there you go. That's Joe Ingles from the Joe Ingles Show this morning uh, with DJ and PK as he joins them uh, each and every week. Usually it's Thursdays, but of course with the bubble and game day and all that stuff, they adjusted it a little bit this week. But Joe, always uh, always informative and it's certainly been insightful during this whole journey. 
Man, that was really good conversation back and forth, wasn't it? I, I enjoyed that. Joe has some interesting things to say. Always enjoy the Joe Ingalls show. Well, when I'm PK asked him about the whole, you know, making statements about things outside of basketball and that that uh, should encourage him to, to, to make a difference on the court because you become a more effective spokesperson that way. Uh, and, and Joe responding, uh, interesting stuff. I, I liked it. All right, we'll get to the Not Sports Report coming up next. Locke will join us at 5, Josh Parcell at 5.30. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Well, we're staying right here, but uh, I have a question. I've been reading this article uh, just uh, uh, today looking for a Not Sports Report. And I found this one, and I need you guys' opinion. Uh-oh. I need your opinion to see where you are on this. I don't like right? it. The story is about how men are starting to wear makeup. You know, concealer, eyeliner, that so, sort of thing. So Dave Fox is finally going to be mainstream, huh? <laughs> well, this story says... That French president, is it Macron, uh, was uh, known, has been known to buy makeup, and he has spent considerable amounts of money on it. And the uh, Washington Post had a story that uh, President Trump had been known to use bronzer or something. No way. So I know that's shocking, right? But a lot of men sort of. I wonder about that a little bit. They think it somehow makes them more feminine, and they don't want to be more fem- feminine. They want to be masculine. But according to this story, men wearing makeup is a route to happiness, confidence, and self-actualization. Let me read a quote here. The, the aggression against it has switched to intrigue, and the embarrassment has evaporated uh it says men should be free to use makeup products to correct or improve their appearance without calling into question their masculinity haven't uh hasn't makeup been a thing for french men for a long time well apparently now they're talking about american men so get in on it gordon let's get you some blush i mean i've never worn makeup well i wore makeup uh, a couple times when i was on tv regularly what about in that uh, production of the the smash play octopus's garden (laughs) well yeah i did that i did that too but uh, that was a long long time ago but my question for you guys is is it uh, would you would you give it a whirl you guys are young. You guys still care a lot about the way you look. Would you, would you have you, or would you try 
uh, wearing makeup, not on stage, Austin, but I'm talking about in your daily life. I've worn makeup on like picture day before to cover up a zit or once I had a nasty black eye uh, when I was in in college, in high school, and it was picture day for the yearbook and I wore some makeup to cover that up, but I've never thought, you know, I'm going out of the town, I'm going to put on some blush. But I also don't, I don't think... Masculine, feminine, I, I don't whatever, whatever you like. I'm just trying to get. Uh, I'm just trying to get where Gordon gets the impression that we care what we look like. What a, What about me and my personality? And that we're would, young. <laughs> make you think that I actually care uh, what I look like. I don't know whether you care or not, but I, I, I thought that was interesting that this is becoming more commonplace. And one of the points that's made in this article is that the key, the real key to it, will be women and if they accept it if they encourage it men will do it more men will do it we know if lisa tells you to wear makeup you're gonna apparently some men are already doing it and 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 i i would you do it jake uh no absolutely not uh well what if naz says hey honey why don't you give this a try I i find it remarkably attractive say no thanks and your reason being? I don't want to. <laughs> Do I need more That's of a pretty reason fair answer. <laughs> Still made there. I, don't know. I know, but, we, you know, marriage is all about compromise. Yeah, but, I mean, unlike you, I don't get dragged to concerts that I don't want to go to <laughs> because when she comes to me and says, hey, do you want to go to this concert? I say, No. Oh, really? You never compromise, Jake Scott. Give me a break. No, he compromises. He says, I won't go to that concert, and you don't ask me to go to that concert. There. <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> yeah. That's a bunch of I won't wear makeup. You never bring it up again. We'll both be happy. Uh, I, I want all the guys out there right now who see themselves as burly, tough guys to think about it. If the woman or women in your life said to you, I find this remarkably attractive, you should do it. Would you? No. In fact, my <laughs> wife just texted me here. She says, I think you wouldn't do it because mostly you'd forget to bother with it. <laughs> there, there definitely would be some of that there. Uh, Gordon, did you ever have a crush on a teacher when you were in high school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I, yeah, when I was a sophomore in high school, there was a student teacher there from uh, a local university who I... I really liked. How much older was she than you? No, I, she was probably, I don't know how old she would have been, maybe 22, 23, something like that. Uh, Manuel Macron met his wife when he was 15, and she was a teacher at his school, and she was 40. Wow. Did you know that? No. Now they didn't get married until uh, 2006, no, 2007. But uh, so he wait, married his I, uh, his teacher crush. No one says she's, met she's, her. And how many years older is she? Twenty five years older than he is. Yeah. And, and when it says met her, that doesn't. I mean, no, no, I'm not uh, implying something tawdry. Uh, that's where they met. He probably had a crush on her, and then I don't know if they ran into each other years down the line or whatever. But because they didn't, they met in 1993. They didn't get married till 2007. Right. Okay. But he married his what I guess would be his teacher crush. Well, if it's not, if it was a different teacher they had a crush on, but then married her, that's a conversation to be had. I told you guys about my fourth grade teacher, didn't I? Yeah. She was 
she was really gorgeous. And I was I was only in fourth grade, but I, apparently I noticed. Is that weird? It's right on par for you. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend David Locke. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.